0: Amen. So have you ever felt lonely? Yes, right? We can all say yes to that. Those seasons where you feel alone. So tonight we're going to talk about community because we've all hit those seasons where you're like, I don't know how to do this. And maybe you're not necessarily lonely in that season, but maybe you come against a wall and you're like, I have no idea. Maybe you're juggling a new job. Maybe you're juggling a new kid. Maybe you're juggling your kids are out of the home all of a sudden and you're an empty nester. Maybe there's emotional things. Maybe you have to get on medication. Maybe you have a sickness that you didn't have before. There's all sorts of things that we find in life. And it hits us and we go, I don't know how to do this. And what God wants us to do in those situations is to live in community. So that we have people to go to to be like, hey, Harold, how do you do this? I, You've done this before. Help me through this. Help me do this. When we don't have money, we can rally together and to help each other out. We can babysit each other's kids. We can cook for each other. We can support each other. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Have you ever had a situation or a season where you feel like your life's falling apart? I have. Not fun. And I call my family and I call my friends and I say, help. That's what community is for. Okay. How many people have had those seasons and you didn't have community? And you drowned. You literally <laughs> failed miserably. You were a mess. And it took you maybe longer to get through it because you didn't have a support system. You didn't have anyone to rally around you and say, hey, let me help you out with this. So I think we all have those times and you ask yourself and you ask God, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing these things to come my way? Why is this, did I do something wrong? Don't we ask that a lot? Like, okay, life is hard. What did I do wrong? And often it's just life or situation. It can be sin. It can be other things. But we ask God... Who who can help me through this? So I want you to repeat this with me. This is kind of a phrase we're going to say throughout the night. Say deep down, we all desire community because God created us to be relational and to do life together. Do you agree with that? Yes. So I'm going to tell you a couple stories. Um, Community is near and dear to my heart when we were sitting down talking about the series Um, we were kind of divvying up who had a heart for what topic and things like that. And I was like, community. I want to do community. I want to talk about that. I am super passionate about doing life together. Ever since I was a little girl, my mom laughs at me because she's like, you were the only kid back in the day that had a planner. Now kids all have planners. I started the trend. Nobody had a planner. I had a planner. And she's like, Carrie, you always had a planner. I was always, like, trying to – I needed to be around to people. I needed to, like – you know, to have that support system and get together and rally the troops and have fun together, whether it was working or it was playing. I like to do life with other people. So uh, back in the day at our last church, Mark was a pastor there, and we served youth ministry. We did all sorts of crazy things in ministry. And we had little bitty ones and no money. Mark decided to start a company. I thought I should be a stay-at-home mom, and we, of course, prayed about all this. And lo and behold, we had no money at all. And so we had a house, and God was faithful, and he was providing for us. And we had a home group that met every other Thursday for years. And so we ate with these people. We loved these people. We cooked for each other. We loved on each other. We supported each other. We were there when kids had, when people had babies. We were there when kids grew up. We were there through graduations. We were there through funerals. All of those life events together. So one night, Mark and I are putting the kids to bed, and we're like, hmm, it's really cold in here. So Mark goes down, checks the pilot light. The pilot's light's not on. He tries to light it. It won't light. We can't figure out what's going on. Mark is a new husband. He could fix a couple of things, but he couldn't fix a furnace. And so we didn't know what to do. So we started making phone calls. Called one guy in our home group who called another guy, who called another guy. They rallied the troops. And before we knew it, they had hundreds of dollars for a furnace. And as wonderful as that is, on the flip side, it was like super humbling, right? Because you're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to need help, but we're here. And so we got hundreds of dollars together, and we're like, this is so awesome. So we start pricing out furnaces, and we still can afford it. So we're like, okay, now what? And so the guys in the home group were like, we got, they made more and more phone calls, they contacted more and more people, rallied more people from church. There was enough money to buy a furnace. And of course, a guy knew a guy who knew a guy who got a smoking deal on a furnace. That's always how it works, right? So we got a smoking deal on a furnace. And so we're like, awesome, God is so awesome. Okay, we got the money, now we got the furnace. How do we put the furnace in? Because we don't have the money to hire someone to do this. So same thing. Before we knew it, at the end of the night, they put in the furnace for us installed it, and we had hot, we had heat for our kiddos. And so that is just one time. That I can think of that was so tangible. And as a mama with little babies, I'm like, if it was just Mark and I, we'd huddle up, get some blankies, whatever, figure it out. But when you have little ones, you don't want to have a cold house. And so as, as small as that seems, God cares about those things. And we love the fact that during that season, we had community to lean on. And we weren't begging for like, please pay our bills, pay our stuff. God just saw that they saw the need They trusted God, we trusted God, and he came through. So that was a super awesome testimony, Um, and it was neat to see, like, everybody just coming, and some people could only give $20, some people gave hundreds, some people were sweating throughout the night trying to figure out how to install it, and looking online, and all that fun stuff to make that happen. So our series scripture throughout these last four weeks have been Acts 2, 42-47, They committed themselves to the teaching of the Apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the Apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's needs were met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added to those who were saved. Sounds a lot like our home group. Our home group started with just a couple families. Okay, let's start a home group. Let's have fellowship. Let's study God's word together. And it grew and grew and grew. And our kids were family. We were family. We began to have birthday parties together and go ball games and trick-or-treating or whatever the season was because we did life together. So it sounds a lot like what they did in here in Acts 2. People were added to the church every day. Believers lived in wonderful harmony. They pulled their resources together to meet needs. They worshiped and ate meals together, celebrated, and praised God. We're going to read a commentary. I love Matthew Henry's commentaries. And sometimes they're a little long, but this is uh, talking about that scripture exactly, so I'm just going to read it. They not only had a mutual affection for Uh, to each other, but a great deal of mutual conversation with each other. They were much together. When they withdrew from the inappropriate generation, they did not turn hermits, but they were very intimate with one another and took all occasions to meet. Whenever you saw one disciple, you would see more, like birds of a feather. See how these Christians loved one another. They were concerned for one another, sympathized with one another, and heartily espoused one another's interests." I love that when it says like birds that flock together because I feel like we, we travel in packs at this church. <laughs> if, we, if we go to dinner, there isn't like two or four of us. There's usually 12 or 15 or 20, and we have to find a restaurant or a location that, hey, can you take 30 people in like, oh, 30 minutes, right? We tend to travel in packs, and I love that. So in our home group, we did things like sharing meals, celebrating birthdays, praying for each other, encouraging each other. I can remember a time where we felt like God said to split up men in one room and women in the other. So the women went in the basement where I taught preschool at the time. And I just remember weeping. We all just, for that particular night, needed some one-on-one, girl-to-girl talk. The guys, I don't know what they did. Rawr, they probably did something. They prayed. Um, but just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit for what God was doing in us as a community, as a group at that time, was powerful how many places do you get to break down do you get to break down at work no (laughs) you know sometimes I want to break down in front of the kids and I'm like they don't need to see me being a mess I feel like sometimes we just have to be so strong we have to hold it all together but where are those places a community that's the kind of place that you can be like I'm a mess I need prayer right we can be vulnerable So another story that I love, um, we have so many stories, I was telling Mark, I wish we would have logged, like, we have them in our brain and in our memories, but we should have logged them all down, so we're driving home from church, and again, we didn't really have any money, and so we were going to eat mac and cheese, or whatever the cupboard still had left, and so we're driving up in the driveway, and out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, what is that? Mark's like, what? I'm like, what is that? And there was stuff on our porch. And for whatever reason, I couldn't figure out what it was, so we get out, and we go over to our porch, and there are bags of groceries on our porch. Still makes me cry. Somebody cared enough to go get us groceries, and still to this day, we don't know who it was. We have our suspicions, but we don't know who it was. But they knew enough to know we'd be at church, and we needed groceries, and how cool would it be when the Harpers came home if we had groceries on their porch? And let me tell you, it was really cool. And so as we're putting those groceries away, we're crying. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How did they know we love double-stuffed Oreos and, you know, putting this stuff away and how sweet they got this for the kids and just so thoughtful. And so what might have just been $200 for them was like a million dollars to us. We were able to stock our cabinets, and we felt God's love. We felt his love. Yes, it was from a person. But God worked through them to meet a need very tangibly in our life. That comes through community. Just recently, you guys have reached out to us in different ways. This church has reached out to each other as we fix each other meals when we have surgeries. We call each other. We love on each other. We, we check on each other. Right? And could we better be better at it? Absolutely. And I pray that this message encourages us to do something more and to be better. We can always be better. We can always reach out more. We can always make another phone call, right? We can always buy a bag of groceries when somebody's in need. But those times, we talk about those times and how precious they were and the kids talk about it, you know? So it's awesome. So we all desire community. So let me ask you, have you ever experienced this kind of community that I'm talking about? I think most of us in this room probably have. And I'm hoping that you probably have, through this church, have felt some sort of tangible phone call. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Brad just walked in, and he has a mustache, and I was very confused. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm hoping that you experience community here, through our church. But I want to encourage you, this Saturday meeting is not necessarily the community. You can show up to a church for years, years, and not be connected. You have to choose to come to something. You know what? I'm going to come to the bait of Satan study that's coming up because I struggle with offense, or I want to meet Pam and Jim. I heard Pam cooks really well, and she does. She does. You could choose to go to something like that. You could say, "I do Bible studies all the time. I like to ride my bike," and you and Enrique can go out and ride your bikes. That's a connect group. That's getting together with community. We have a mops group for all our moms who have little ones, and they are having community. We went to Walmart, me and my girls, the other night, and we're walking in, grabbing a couple things late at night, and out come the girls from the little. They got, had got pedicures, and they were like, "We just got pedicures." Because they're building relationship with each other. So they cry, like, my baby's doing this, and I'm so exhausted. You know, they're able to do life together because they have made a connection of similar interests. So, I want your challenge, my challenge tonight, is how can you get connected even more to community? The enemy's goal is to keep us disconnected. That's his goal. And we've all felt it. We've all fallen into that trap where we've been isolated and disconnected. And you're just like, I'm just out here on an island. Nobody knows about me. Nobody knows that I'm sick. Nobody cares about me. And that is not God's plan. And yes, we want someone to reach out to us. But sometimes we have to be the one to go, you know what? I'm going to get past myself and my insecurities or whatever else, and I'm going to sign up for something. Or I'm going to start something. You don't have to be some awesome pastor preacher guy to lead a little home group. Just be willing. You know what? I'm gonna invite a couple people over and we're just gonna see what happens. We're gonna Kim and Andy did a group that was just dinner. They eventually talked about God or they talked about life or they did things together, but the intention was just to build a relationship and have dinner together. Anyone can do that, right? Everyone pitched in for the meal, so it wasn't a big burden on any one person. Super fun. All right, so the definition of community is an interacting population of various kinds of individuals in a common location. Super easy. We're all in the area. We're all in Erie, right? So that makes that part easy. The next one, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society. So I look at that and think, what's our, what's our common denominator? Jesus. Right? Right? And we can do community at work. Some of you have coworkers that you've known for years, and you do life together, right? You go to ball games together, you hang out together. Some of you are like, no, I don't hang out with my coworkers. You should, You should hang out with them. They're probably pretty fun. Some of us, like, for example, I play soccer every Monday night in a women's league. I pay for it. I drive to Westminster. I drive if it's snowing, and I play soccer. And every time I think I'm going to quit, I'm like, no, because I love those ladies. They're so fun. That's. That can be community. It can be your neighbors in your area. It could be a lot of, I know for older kids, you get to know those parents on your sports teams. And if your kids switch a team, it's rough. Acacia switched a team. She played competitive soccer for years, and we knew them for years. We rallied together, we traveled together, we did all these things. And then Acacia switched teams, and it was like, we were heartbroken because that was our family. So community doesn't just happen in church settings. It obviously can happen lots of other places. The beauty of community in the church setting is because it's God's design and because we have him in common, right? So that is the common denominator. That's the common thing that keeps us going. Why is it important to connect and find community within the church and with other Christians? Let's read 1 Peter 2.9. I love the scripture. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So isn't it easier to do this when you are around people who are encouraging you to do these things? You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are special that other people believe that and can encourage you in that. Hebrews 1024 24-25 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as in this manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching There's so many scriptures on that you guys about sharpening each other and encouraging each other exhorting each other lifting each other up In the message Bible that same scripture says Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out not avoiding worshiping together as some do but spurring each other on that word spurring if you think of a spur and those spiky things on the wheel when he's trying to get the horse to go think about your friend like Melody's got she's like come on (laughs) you can do this we're supposed to spur each other on to live a godly life hey dude you, that's sin. you got to get rid of that. That's bringing you down. That doesn't glorify God. Guys are much more direct. I'm trying to be very guy-like right now. Yeah. Because we, like, we buy each other flowers and say, you can do it. Right? But we're supposed to spur each other on and encourage each other to godliness, to live a godly life, to look like Jesus. Right? So communi- community is all about people. It's about something bigger than yourself. It's about giving, and it's about receiving. It's about being flexible. I love Mark. He always talks about in our leadership trainings about being daft. Daft. Dependable, available, flexible, and teachable. Not super fun words. Dependable, available, flexible, and teachable. Those are things that when you have community, you got to be dependable for people. If you say I love you and I'm there for you and then they call you and you're busy all the time, that hurts. Flexible. Can you be flexible with people? Yeah, I'm not set in my ways. I'm yeah, I can do that. I don't like to do that. I will do that for you. Right? Teachable. How many times has somebody close in your life called you out on something and you're like, "I know. I know. Thank you." Right? How about honoring each other? That can be a tricky one when we have our strong opinions and our strong ways, still honoring each other and saying, you know, I disagree, but I'm gonna I love you and I, I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna treat you the way God would want me to treat you. Right? Embracing each other, forgiveness, loving, accepting each other. You know, in the body of Christ, we don't get to pick who comes to church, I always tell my kids, you don't get to pick your classmates, you don't get to pick your teacher, because you know how they get, they'll be fussing, this teacher's so mean, or whatever, and I'm like, that's life, you don't get to pick them, but with community, you get to let those people change you, and mold you, and God can use them to sharpen you, and, and to make you better, the big thing about community, and we're big on this, is to be inclusive, and not exclusive. So the idea here, if you start a home group, is not just so that the 10 of you can get together for two years straight and have all this fun and party and, and get to know each other and do all this fun stuff together and no one else is involved and no one else is invited. The idea is to have community so that you can include people, so that you can invite people in. Hey, you should come to dinner. This dinner group we're doing. Hey, you should come check out this Bible study. And that's not just in this room. We should be inviting our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever we run into. Hey, come on. Come on over. Come check out what God's doing. Inclusive, not exclusive, right? Now, you're going to have some groups that you're like, I will never go to a running group. Never. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> but the goal is to invite other people who like running, right? You see my point? All right. And how do we do all these things? Acts 17:28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. So everything we do in community is in him, through him, by him, for him. It's all about him. Alright, so there's three things we're going to talk about real quick about developing authentic community. So the first one's hard work. The second one is serving. And the third one is prayer. So developing authentic community. So the first one, hard work. James 3.18 this is in the message you can develop a healthy robust community that lives right with god and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other treating each other with dignity and honor so developing authentic community requires hard work i'm sorry but people are not easy i'm not easy right it's not always everybody else we have our little things our quirkiness and our our little things that we do that drive everyone crazy and that's okay but it's it's about getting along i love that scripture do the hard work of getting along with each other sometimes it's hard work isn't it but is it worth it it's worth it and most of the time you, when you work through those hard things with people on the other end don't you go I really appreciate them. I just, you just grow this love for them because you overcame something and you get to see maybe their perspective or maybe the way they think or the way that they tick. Hebrews 12, 12 through 15. So don't just sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Work, here's that word again work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. So, it's our job to make sure that people are seeing God's generosity. Isn't that cool? Like not just here, as we're out and about and as we're building relationships with people at work and in our community, they should be seeing God's generosity through us. We shouldn't just be making meals for each other. A neighbor moves in. How about baking them some cookies? Somebody down the road has surgery. How about making them a meal? Right? Doesn't that speak volumes? So I love that. I love that how it talks about the distance runners run ahead. Clear the path so that nobody's going to trip or fall. It's your job to reach out and make sure you're getting along with people and getting along with God. So we talked about this before, but just showing up doesn't automatically make you a part of something. It doesn't automatically give you community. I think that's why a lot of big churches right now are trying, people are trying to find smaller churches because they're like, I, I've been going to this church for years and I know nobody. If I died, nobody would like knock on my door and be like, Hello? are you in there? If something happened, nobody knows them. We are created, you guys, to live in community, to do life together, right? We're not supposed to do it alone. So I want to ask, I want us to ask God to stretch us. It doesn't feel good, and if you pray the prayer, he's going to do it. (laughs) So, just forewarning you, if you pray that prayer, Lord, stretch me open up my heart, change me, mold me, don't we pray all these things, we sing about these things, then he does, and you're like, stop, ow, I don't like that, I don't want to do that, that's against my personality, you know, whatever, right, but that's what he wants to do, because he wants us to change, he wants us to look like him, so it doesn't feel good, but let's not quit, let's press in when the relationships get hard, and have a coffee, have those hard conversations. Hey, you hurt my feelings. I, I substitute teach and I taught in kindergarten this week, and the whole lesson was about eye messages. And so we practiced. And so the day was pretty exhausting because the kids, every little thing that happened, they'd be like, I have an eye message. When you stepped on my toe, that made me feel sad or whatever. <laughs> and the other kid would be like, I'm sorry, I, s- I made you sad by stepping on your toe. And so it was super fun, and they definitely got the message. But that's what we need to do as adults too, right? Like, hey, that hurt my feelings, Christine. Can we we grab a coffee? I want to see what your heart was in that. We talk it out. We love on each other. And at the end, we're closer friends. So if we're offended, if we're bitter, that's contagious, you guys. That spreads. We don't want that in this church. We don't want that in our home groups, our connect groups, our youth group, our children's ministry, and our marriages with our kids. We don't want any of that. So let's allow his grace to carry us and let's allow that whole last series that we did forever and ever was about maturing, right? And we all said at the end, I am a more mature Christian because of the things we learned out of the book of James. All right, so social media. I'm going to touch on this. We touch on this on occasion. I know you're like, oh, do we have to go here again? Just a quick thing. You have thousands of friends or whatever on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and that's fine. We all have it. We use it. Fine. But that doesn't mean you have community. I have been talking to our leaders at church. I've been talking to my kids. How about you pick up the phone? How about you have a coffee? How about you go play basketball with your buddy? Let's get back to the face-to-face. Not that we can't tweet. Not that we can't Facebook. All those things are great. And I think God uses them to help build relationship. I do. But I think sometimes it's more fruitful to get on the phone to meet up, don't you? And sometimes we don't have time, but if it's, if it's a real friendship and it's worth cultivating, let's be the people that don't just text or email. Nah, 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 nah. Let's phone call. Hey, are you mad? Or whatever. Let's be those people. Let's pursue people because, you guys, it's not about the task. It's not about the group. It's not about the thing. It's about people. Jesus always, always, always made it about people, right? It's relational. Our God is relational. All right, number two. Authentic community is experienced in serving. So the first one was hard work. The second one is serving. Jesus was the ultimate community builder. People loved to be around him. Everywhere he went, there were people fighting to get around, around him, to hear him, to listen to him, to touch him. They loved him, and he loved people. Still does. Matthew 20:28, 20, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if he came to serve, what should we do? Right? Pretty easy. We should serve. He's the ultimate example. We must be selfless. Guys, we're all super busy. There are times when I get those schedules to cook a meal and I'm like, I don't have time. I don't even have time to cook my own meal, (laughs) you know? But you know what? Every time I do it, I'm so blessed because I get to be a blessing. You know, I've cooked meals before for other people and we've had cereal just because I'm like, you know what, I just can't do it all or I don't have enough groceries or whatever. Is that a blessing? Yes, because we get to bless other people. We get to serve other people. All right, the third one. Authentic community is experienced through prayer. So the first one was hard work. Second one, serving. Third one is prayer. There's a different level that happens in a relationship when we pray together. When Mark and I are like, yeah, we'll pray for each other. We go about our day. It's fine. But when we take the time and sit down and grab hands and pray, we usually end up crying or, like, loving on each other. Oh, I'm sorry, babe, because all of a sudden you have discernment. You have the spirit of God in the room. The presence is there. And then all day I'm like, oh, Mark just prayed this awesome prayer over me. I can do anything. It's just this different level. And when we take uh, couples through premarital counseling, there's a short little season there at the end where, like, don't pray together. Don't grab hands and do those intimate prayers. And here's why. Because you're trying to keep them from, you know, being too close, trying to get them to wait, right, until they're married. There is a level of intimacy that happens in prayer. It takes it to a whole other level. You're inviting God into the very things that you're talking about, right? So this is part of authentic community is praying together. James 5:16 through 17. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So there's something that happens when we, when we pray together. And I love, like, in those se- community settings, whether it be a group or whatever, you pray for someone, and you pray for someone, and you pray for someone, and then they get the job. You get to celebrate with them, like, praise God, you got the job. That's, a, that's even better than we were praying for. Or you're praying for healing, praying for healing, and then they get healed, and God does a work. They've got a broken heart and all of a sudden you see them walking around with a big old smile, and they're not broken anymore. How awesome is that, that we get to play a part in each other's lives on that level. Isn't that fantastic? Matthew 18:19 through 20. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So in these groups, whether it's a bike riding group, whether it's a deep diving Bible study, changing lives to the nitty gritty, it doesn't matter. Prayer should be a vital part of that. Josh did a little running group, was it last summer or something? And we grabbed hands and we prayed before we ran. And that's wonderful. So it doesn't have to be a prayer focus, but prayer should be in each part of that. All right, so hard work, serving, and prayer imagine our lives and what they would look like if we embraced these three principles. Hard work. Remember we talked about hard work with people. People are difficult, right? Working through those issues, working through our differences and pressing in, serving one another, being selfless. Our culture is all about be selfish, be selfish go do this for yourself. You deserve it. Do this. Do you know, he's not treating you right. Well, you better take care of yourself, girl. Like there's all sorts of craziness about being selfish. So we're trying to be the opposite. Like Jesus, right? He was selfless and he came to serve. And about prayer, about putting him smack dab in the middle of everything we do. So you're going to repeat this after me again. Deep down, we all desire community. Because God created us to be relational and to do life together. So that's our goal. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our goal. So if you're like me, and Mark's even more than this than me, but if you like people and you're thinking the more people the better, you're like, yes, I'm going to start a group tomorrow and you're all fired up. If you are more on the other end of the scale and you're like, eh, I like to be alone. I don't really like this message. That's fine too. The bottom line of it all is we're supposed to be uh, relational regardless of if you're super outgoing or you're super inward. There is value to having people speak into your life and for you to speak into them. So if the big groups overwhelm you, find one or two guys, find one or two gals, and have a coffee. Right? That's community. It doesn't have to be 15 people. It doesn't have to be a home group with dinners and all this stuff. If you like that, go for it. Sign up for one or join one, lead one, whatever. But if you're like, you know what, I would just like a couple guys to meet me a couple times a month for some donuts. Do that. It's all about community, okay? All right. This is our, our kind of theme scripture when we started Impact Rock was Romans 12. And there's this huge chunk out of here that just uh, fits right in today. So I'm going to read Romans 12, 9 through 19. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other, don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies, don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Doesn't that so nicely just sum it up? Authentic community. So I believe that we do a good job at this. I do also believe that we could do a better job of this. Do we agree with that? So my heart today, and as I've been praying over this message for the last four weeks or so, has been that we would take the things that we do well and do more. The ways that we connect and have community here, we do well. The things that we don't do so great, corporately and personally, that we pray and ask God and we do better. If we're not that great at inviting people in, then let's invite them in. If we're really great at mops, let's do even better at mops. If I personally don't reach out because I'm insecure, then I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to get past myself and I'm going to make a phone call this week and I'm going to reach out to someone. I loved Amy this week. She had a little thing. A couple girls came over and, and she's like, I'm just so proud of myself. Only one ended up showing up, right? But she's like, I'm just so proud of myself because before she would be like, I live too far. I'm too tired. I have to put my kids to that. You know, there would be all these things and then the enemy would win and she would not build a relationship. And she said, I just feel proud of myself. Like, I reached out and she had a great time. And that's a wonderful example, but We all have our own little things that we, I'm too busy, I'm too this, I don't like people, I'm grumpy, I don't, you know, whatever. Let's get past those things. Let's get past our offenses. Let's get past our differences and build community, okay? And the side note to that is to invite people to join you. They're not exclusive. They're inclusive. We're inviting people to join along, right? All right, so can you imagine if you created some margin in your life for deeper relationships? Would that make you feel better if you had deeper, meaningful relationships in your life? So here's some things you could do. You could start or join a connect group. We have um, some that are going right now and some that are just getting ready to start. Or you can start one. If you're like, there's no group for this. Yay! You get to do it. I went to my youth pastor. I was like 19. I was a youth intern. And we had a lot of teen moms at our church. It was a big church in Denver. And I went to Pastor Debbie, and I said, you know, we really need a teen mom group. We have so many teen moms, and they don't know where to go, and they keep talking to me. And I'm 19, I'm not a teen mom, and I know nothing. And she said, start the group. And I'm like, Pastor Debbie, I'm not doing that. I'm 19, I'm not pregnant. Um, Someone else needs to start this group for these girls. No carrots on your heart you need to do it so I started a teen mom group I had to get I had to pull all sorts of crazy people together to teach me what to do I didn't know anything about WIC I didn't know anything about parenting I didn't know anything about teen moms but God used me and I grew it and I built team and then we all did it together and these teen moms lives were better because God you know what I mean and so if you're saying I can't do that yes you can Maybe you're the one to get it started. We call them fire starters. Maybe you get it started, and then someone else can run with it. Sometimes it's just that initial of getting something started, right? Um, Could you join a serving team? Can you set up, tear down, help with children's, help with mops once a month, whatever? Can you choose to love others and get out of your box? Yes? Yes, okay, we got one. That's good. Can you serve someone that God has put in your life? Can you serve them somehow? Yes. Can you be less selfish and reach out? Yes. Can you pray with others or pray for others more often? Yeah. Uh, we also have prayer impact on Wednesdays and pre-service prayer. Can you come to one of those sometime? Yeah. Can you call someone when you notice they're not at church? How many times have you come to church and then maybe you're sick or something, and you're not there a couple weeks and nobody calls you? Aw. They don't even care that I'm not there. That's not fun. This phone call. We all have a directory. Or ask somebody for their number. Hey, so-and-so hasn't been here in a couple weeks. So I'm going to give them a call. Doesn't that make you feel good? Cook a meal for someone. Bake, bake a cookie. Make them a smoothie or something. So anyway, that's my heart. My heart is to see godly community in us, being birthed in us. I want it to grow, and I want it to reach out beyond these walls. It's great that we all get together. And that is a big part of it. But the other piece of it is inviting our neighbors, our coworkers, the people at the park that we run into with the little kids, at the grocery store, the people that we run into and we get to talking to them and they're like, oh, I like that too. Are you serious? We have a group. We're meeting tomorrow night. Want to come? Right? It's not as hard as we make it out to be. So I would like to pray over us. Just that God would do a work in our hearts in this area. This is his plan, you guys. A lot of us have great families, and some of us are like, I know nobody here. I have no family here. We are family.